Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, July 11th of 2023, where laypersons and pastors gather for about 45 minutes each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. The Sunday is July 16th. Each Tuesday, we call in from wherever we may be at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time to participate, and our team is working to be faithful to your A. That puts us in the Gospel of Matthew. It's how it works. We develop perspectives independently after the leadoff person, that would be our friend Sarah today, shares some formative questions. And then in this virtual discussion room, we share, encourage, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion. Bill Hall, St. Petersburg, Florida. Sarah Mickelson in Tampa. I'm Don Upton. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. And our leadoff person is Sarah Mickelson. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing her reading of the scripture and some of her interesting questions. Hello, Sarah. Happy good morning, Tuesday. I'm good today. How about you? <laughs> this week we are in Matthew again. It's uh, year A, so Matthew is our gospel reading. We're in chapter 13, and we're doing um, selected passages from uh, the first 23 verses. I'll read um, verses 1 through 9, and then hop to 18 through 23. Um, you're going to know this parable. We're starting the parables now, so you're going to know this one. And uh, it's a good one. It's one of my favorites. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, and while the whole crowd stood on the beach... And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they didn't have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let everyone with ears listen. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart, this is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only a little while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of that word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and cares of and, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and yet it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. We're going to talk about dirt today. I've been told that that that's a good thing to talk about. Um, it, my dog likes to go out and roll in the dirt, just offering that up. Um, in thinking about this this week, 
I thought about different kinds of soil. I thought about um, how things move in the garden and how valuable the, the metaphor of gardening is for this particular um, lesson. Uh, I, you know, as a child, I wondered why some seeds didn't come up and some seeds did. I, I wondered why some seeds didn't seem to live long enough and other seeds produced tomatoes. So it was a good metaphor for me to think about. Um, I have to give credit to Caroline Lewis's essay on this particular Bible passage um, that can be found at workingpreacher.org. Um, it was super helpful. Uh, she asked us to think about the ways in which God's Word has taken hold in us, as in we are soil. So my first question is, when and how have you felt perhaps all of these kinds of responses to God's Word? I like the idea of, of recognizing that we aren't one or another better than another. It's not a competition, but that in our experience with following Christ, we often have walked through perhaps all of these styles of soil and um, and have had moments of effectiveness and ineffectiveness. So how and when and how have you felt all of these responses to God's Word? What do you got for me, Don? More today than ever, because I think it takes some living. And I got a lot more living to do, I hope. Uh, but I think it takes some living and reflection to see the wall. So I, I want to, instead of saying, oh, my gosh, I've moved an inch on a football field of 100 yards, that inch is really valuable in terms of learning and looking at this over and over and thinking about it. So I'm, I'm saying it in a very bright, positive way because this could be daunting. So take some living and application. Lord knows what I've forgotten, though, along the way still. So, you know, I, I'm understanding now, but where have I been unattended? Where have I not taken the time to think about the soil? I also went through my notes, and I can't tell you how many pastors from the pulpit or in the classroom have said, don't forget, this is about soil. It's about soil, it's about soil, about soil. And I'm not saying that means they're exactly right, but over the years that has been repeated over and over again. So it takes some living, and at the same time, it had to be encountered the first time. Now, I can't remember the first time I encountered this, but I, I grew up in a church, and this passage is very familiar to me. And no doubt daunting and even scary the first time I heard it. Things not making it, things cast aside, things dying. It's hard to look at this with an angle I think that Jesus intended. It takes time. But I would not be here saying I think I've felt every piece of this without me having encountered it for the first time. Somebody handed it to me. Somebody read it to me. That's part of that journey as we've gone on. So I would I would hold out two things that one is time matters, experience matters. It could be fast or slow, the un, un, uncovering of what these things are, because we're asked to not arrive at the final. We're asked to understand each of these pieces together, sir. So I really... I embrace the question you gave me, which is the all. I would not understand the final explanation of Jesus without understanding the first one of the seeds that wither and die. I need to understand all those things because that way I can understand the business of life. It's not like lightning striking. You know, I, I would hold out to listeners, when you have grasped understanding, 
anything. It does feel like lightning. But you've been studying biology for 20 years. You've been turning wood for 20 years, and now you've done something extraordinary. Aha! It's almost like, aha, but there's no aha. We're meditating on all those things. So it's not like lightning striking. It just feels like it. Matter of fact, Jesus in here cautions us about lightning striking. (laughs) You feel that fast joy? Be careful. Meditate on all these things, all these things. Understanding is the theme. And then I would hold out time-lapse flash photography of plants that grow. Uh, We're generally of an age, those participating in today's discussion, we grew up on that in biology class, watching that plant get planted. And in 60 seconds, we watch it germinate, grow, wither, die, produce fruit, all of those things, just like that. I think in this case, uh, it's a trick. I think that flash, that fast growth is the mind of God, maybe. And we get a glimpse of the very, you know, if you slowed it down to very, very slow time, I think that's what Jesus is talking about so we can measure those things. So this is about things that grow in soil and seasons, arcs of time. It's also, and I just want to hold this out in, in terms of context, Bill Wallace, who taught lectionary class at Palm Sea Presbyterian Church for generations, and we miss him very much, and we honor him with this podcast, uh, said that it's, and I'm quoting him, it's also dropped into the early church as a memory of Jesus's ministry long after most of all listeners have died. Now, excuse me, that's not a quote. That's my best paraphrase. And what he meant is this is being done at this time because the church is struggling with these aspects, especially quick joy, testifying to something, testifying to the work of Jesus, but taking no action, or the potential to take action is fading. So he's also reminded us to vest this in that church, that late first century church and what they're dealing with. That's what I've got, Sarah. What about you, Bill? When and how have you felt all of these responses to God's word? Uh, I will begin by repeating something I said to you Sunday in the adult faith formation class at Palmasia. I thank you for each of these three questions or have the word you in them, or your. You're, you're asking us to talk about the impact on us. I think that is uh, very, very helpful. Um, and just quickly to remind us of the larger context, Chapter 13 comes at a point where there has been growing tension in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He's been teaching, healing, uh, mentoring, and there was tension with the religious establishment, but also with his own disciples and his own family. You can read the preceding couple of chapters, and you'll see examples of that. So, Sarah, it occurred to me this year for the first time that Matthew putting it at this point is very strategic. To me, Sarah, it's like stepping back and saying, let's look over at what's happened in the last few months. Let's put it in a context. And while Jesus doesn't say that specifically, this parable, to me, it puts things in a context. 
there is there are going to be at least these four kinds of reactions. Now, to go to your specific question, I don't know when in my life's journey with this parable I moved from the we they. You know, we are the good soil, they are the bad soil, too recognizing that I am all four of those soils, am, not was, am. And so, Sarah, once I discerned that, whenever I would preach on this passage or refer to it, I would always say, remember, I and you are all four soils. Um, And this um, image includes a wide range of meaning. Soil can be your culture, your life experiences, your aspirations. Um, and several years ago, I began reading Richard Rohr's um, meditations, Father Richard Rohr, and he uh, invites us not to live in a binary world, we, they, black, white, right, wrong, good, bad. So, that that has, I think, been a, a helpful journey for me. Uh, one way I experienced this impact was, and I've mentioned this before on this podcast, how strongly I resisted a growing sense of call to be a pastor. Uh, there was resistance, denial. I was very rocky soil. <laughs> and... Um, Reading Matthew 10, and particularly the because believe it or not, I would I I wanted to die three deaths if I spoke in a group more than two or three. I did not see myself as a capable public speaker, nor possible. And that phrase in Matthew 10: "Don't worry what you are to say; the Spirit will help you speak." That 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 took root and grew, I'll guarantee you, very slowly. (laughs) That grew very slowly. Now, a couple things about parables that um, mean much to me. I'm quoting from Frederick Dale Bruner's commentary on Matthew, and he says of parables, the key attitude in life, spiritually and socially, is the attitude of active listening. Real listening is the catalyst for right doing. In other words, you receive the message and then you act on it. And you read the verse, Jesus talks about, let them hear who have ears to hear. And further from Bruner, he quotes a famous biblical scholar, C.H. Dodd, his definition of a parable. I'll end with this. Dodd says, A parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness, and this is the part I really like, and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt of its precise application to tease it into active thought. Mm -hmm. That. I, I'm at a stage in my life where that being teased into active thought, not coming to a final conclusion. I love that being teased into active thought. Thank you for the question. You're welcome. Um, 
I also read John T. writing um, or blog on this particular passage this week at workingpreacher.org. He's the uh, professor of New Testament at Union Theological, um, and he asked a really good question. I shared this with um, you guys before the call, but I thought it'd be important that other people hear it as well. In our own space and time, what do seed-devouring birds and the lack of roots and suffocating thorns look like? This was an agrarian metaphor that Jesus brought to the table that everybody had a working knowledge of. And and I think it works even today, but um, if we were to look at the culture we live in, the, the way we spend our time, the people we gather to us, um, and the things that we put our um, energy toward, what might those things that would distract us or, or minimize the word of the Lord, what would they look like? And so I, it gave me a, a, a good I would say, not working this soil metaphor too far, but it gave me a lot of fertilizer to think about. Um, And I can confess that I have felt grounded in the word and in my overconfidence or my zeal, my attention gets overwhelmed by the connections and I get lured away, lured away by worry and wealth. So those things that are... um, easy to lay out as anxiety drivers um, tend to pull me away from the richness of the word. I can confess that I have recognized with confidence what uh, the truth of the word, only to have noisy doubts eroded away. My confidence in what I understand and what I know is what's undermined. And I said, it's funny how conversations with others seem to yield a longer-lasting sense of connection to the Word, and that that's valuable to me, and that in, in having a dialogue about the meaning of something or an understanding of something tends to help that particular passage take root and grow. And I think that there's something valuable about having an authentic, honest dialogue about God's Word, and it, that begins um, a, something that happens uh, organically and valuable, with valuable fruit, or bears fruit. So I, I kind of want to say, I think I can acknowledge that, like you, Bill, I'm all four types of soil, and on any given day, I can be a part of the effective soil, or I can be a part of the soil that needs to be um, tidied up, that's being overgrown by what's going on in the world or overgrown by the drama of the things around me and or the distractions of the things around me. Um, but for the most part, I think it's it's helpful to have a conversation around something with friends. And in doing so, um, that lets the oppor- the root the rooting of the word take hold in my heart. Um, Question number two. Has how you respond to part of God's word changed over time? I think as a lectionary call team, we could confess or or, or declare with um, enthusiasm 
that sometimes when we approach a passage in three years' time, the same passage, uh, we see something new in it. And so um, how has or has how you've responded to parts of God's word changed over time, Bill? Definitely. And in fact, I was leaning forward typing in a couple of quick more notes <laughs> because I knew you were coming to me. So even sitting here, uh, stop third. I will give one very powerful illustration. I gave one already, moving from the we they with this uh, parable to uh, I'm all for source. <clears throat> I grew up in the 1950s in the Orlando, Florida area where school and church and society said separate but equal with the races was what not only constitutional, it was what God wanted, that it was biblically authentic. <clears throat> I went to college and graduate school in the early uh, part of the 1960s to the mid part, and my world got turned upside down. And it began with what I would say is toleration. Okay, we're separate, uh, but uh, but equal. And okay, I can accept that. And then slowly, because the the power of culture was deeply embedded, I moved from toleration to slowly embracing what I sang often in Sunday school assembly growing up as a child, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in God's sight. And Sarah, it struck me as I began to make that journey, the truth was there all along. I only slowly began to discern it. And I would say, and I'll be brief with this, I have not yet finished the journey, nor has this nation nor has this world. It is a myth that we need. We don't need to focus on the injustice of, of that system. It still has an effect. And one of my favorite quotes from Henry Nowen or Henri Nowen, however you prefer to say his name, he said, for Jesus there are no countries to be conquered, no ideologies to be imposed, no people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. I love that quote, and it is so relevant to today, and I think that is at the heart of, of the gospel. Now, my last comment. I came to realize that I am all for soils. I think, Sarah, I, I believe this is congruent with this parable. I am also a sower. Mm. I represent God. Um, not in an arrogant way, but I also, my words and my behaviors are a message to people. There are many other examples, but I'll leave it there. John, has how you responded to God's word changed over time? Yes, it has. 
based on failure and forgetting. And I think there's a, there's a subtext in this of forgetting. Uh, lightning strikes joy, yay, yay, on tomorrow. What's forgotten? Things are lost. Things are forgotten. Opportunities are lost. So there's a sadness to it. There's a heaviness to it. But, yes, I, and I, 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 I'm not saying that with pride. I'm saying that because I moved an inch on a 100-yard football field. But what a joy. What a joy to move that inch. There's so much living in there, so much knowledge in there, so much, so much more to be done. But I, I want to hold up the failures of forgetting. Uh, you know, lightning, we're not expecting lightning to strike. We're asked to retain, to abide, to live with, under, to apply. It takes time, it takes maturity. So as an immature person, <laughs> I've, I've seen one inch of it, and it's wonderful. All right, so, but I'm not saying I've figured it out. So I, I just want to give a few examples of how that would work, which is a call for patience, too, and discernment. Take time. You know, why would you lay a verse like this on a five-year-old? We do. Why? I think only to plant a seed. You'll hear it again and again. You'll learn. And you'll fail. You'll fail. You'll forget. You'll forget. So I'm not – here's some examples. I'm not good with names, people's names. I'm embarrassed to say I'm not good with it. They come right in, right out, even if I repeat it. It's the problem there. But if you are having struggles with people's names, which is a failure, right? Oh, what was her name? She was interesting. I didn't follow up. You know, what's the difference between having a name and having the name seated? And it's friendship and service. So if I don't know someone's name, it means there was no friendship. There was no tangibility. There was no service. There was no exchange of ideas. That's on me, right? There's a failure there. How many friends have been lost? How many opportunities are lost? I think this passage asked me to meditate on that. So that today, I behave differently. It's on my mind. All that, that particular soil is on my mind. I try to memorize a poem, you know, something by rote, right? You're going to get it. Or Sarah, you might, you, we might say, get off book in the theater. But that's not it. You know, it takes the study, the appreciation, the repeating, the application to life. Why do I not remember all the poems that I memorized as a boy? I didn't really appreciate them. I didn't apply them. I may have, I said them by rote, but I didn't ponder the words and the meaning and the human beings and the poems. Insights. Mm-hmm. Why don't I generate insights? Because I don't study the real facts and data. If I did, it would be more seated, something I could use. Uh, why, why my plans not get off the shelf? Well, maybe because they're not actually being applied to human beings and outcomes. They're just theories. I think there's something here for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I'd say, look upon your failures and what was lost, what went through your fingers, you know, or those moments of joy. And I'll give one more example, which would be, uh, oh, I, had a, I learned how to dress a wound today. I'm going to be a physician. Ten years go by. How's life as a physician? What? You said you were going to be a, a physician. You were so excited. I don't remember that. Yes, we were we were kids, and you said you'd be a physician. Oh yeah, yeah. Silence. Oh, you wanted to be a glass blower. What? Yeah, twenty years ago. Remember, you started going to technical classes and learning you're going to be a great artist. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. Uh, I, you wanted to be a great distance runner, and you're really gifted, and you're committed. You built a. I remember we built a great schedule when you were 18 years old to make them be a great runner. 
I never, I never, I never did. Failures, fleeting, all those opportunities. And I think there's something practical in every bit of this in terms of looking at all the soil, like you're saying, Bill. And, and they call to meditate on what, what the soil is. And then a lot of things won't go through my fingers. <laughs> a lot of relationships that need to be sustained will be there. So those are the examples I have, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Don. What you said and what Bill offered up um, feed directly into what I was thinking, too. I would say yes. I have um, how I respond has changed over time. I have become more open. I have worked harder to listen. Um, And I've started to recognize what it looks like when the word takes hold in others. So there's some learned information there. I've come to understand that sometimes the word of God needs to germinate differently in different people. And and there's no wrong or right way for it to happen. Um, Just as David Attenborough would remind me that some seeds need fire, a high temperature, to break open the exterior of the seed so the seed can germinate. just the same as some seeds spread because birds pick them up and fly them away and carry them. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the great oaks that that are all along the Gulf Coast and throughout the South. And the acorn of those trees is so large. It doesn't move very much unless there's a great flood. And they don't grow well right under each other. But the blue jay, of all birds, has a beak that can open wide enough to carry that particular acorn. And that we owe the obnoxious bully of the bird world, the blue jay, um, for how many oaks we have in the south and how far apart they're, they're cast and how beautiful they are. So like the word of God, sometimes we need a bird to carry us to give us a space and time to um, to grow with that idea. And sometimes we need the fire, um, the difficulty of soil or the difficulty of, of, of where we're planted so that the, the, the germination process can begin. Um, and I will say it is always a joy to meet someone who can speak with authenticity about how the word has taken hold in their heart. And it goes back to the words of encouragement when we find someone else who has had an experience similar to what we see or what we've experienced. My third question is, what fruit can you identify that has been born by your response to God's word? What do you got for me, Bill? Another great question. Thank you. Um, Paradoxic, well, coming out of college and seminary with a great emphasis in the Christian world on academics and stretching your mind and doing it right, um, I, a part of my growth, Sarah, that continues was that paradoxically, the, the less I learned to focus on results the more relaxed and freer I have felt, and the more it seems that later 
I learn from a person or hear from them an impact on them with something I said or did that I had no idea about at the time. The the sower just indiscriminately throws the seed. That you know, to push the story a little, the the sower moves on. The sower doesn't stand there with his arms folded waiting for to to see the results. The result is casting the seed. So that uh, has been a growth point. And then I think of from First Corinthians chapter three, uh, Paul uses the imagery of. Some people are still drinking milk. They're not yet ready for solid food. And the example are arguments in the church. The way Christians divide themselves over the centuries and including the here and now would suggest that we're drinking more milk than eating solid food. And then he goes on, you know, the the passage transitions to people saying, well, I'm a Paul Christian. I'm a Paulus Christian. I'm a Jesus Christian. And, and I love this. Uh, Paul says, what is Apollos? What is Paul servants through whom you came to believe? I planted Apollos water and here's the kicker, but God gave the increase. That has been a journey for me that continues is trusting God to give the increase. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And then the prophet passage for this week in the lectionary is from Isaiah 55. My word shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And further, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. In other words, and this has been a growth point for me, that the more faithful we are to God, it will not limit and diminish life, rather God will supply sustenance and abundance. Having grown up in a lower, economically lower middle class family, I grew up with a scarcity mentality and something that is still taking root. This isn't about financial recklessness, but trusting the abundance of God. Uh, That's only scratching the surface, but uh, that's a, a few thoughts on how the word takes hold in me and what fruit God has produced. Thank you, Sarah. I'll volunteer that I think this podcast is fruit. I think that the growing circle of engaged friends, um, standing with somebody else who's in need of a word of truth or a word of of comfort um, when there's chaos, because it seems like more often than not, I am approached by people going through chaos, and they need somebody to kind of lean toward for um, reassurance and stability. And I think that that the opportunity to just stand with people who are struggling um, is, is a gift, is, is part of the, the, the fruit that I'm witnessing to. What about you, Don? We're looking at chapter, the next chapter in Matthew. Life happens. 
Herod's going to seize John the Baptist. John's going to be executed. There'll be a ghost, a singing ghost, walking on the water, on the seas. Jesus will retire, go, go to a quiet place to be by himself, and all this is happening. There will be five loaves and two fish to feed the multitudes. That's in one chapter that's coming up. So, you know, as we look at life happening in the ministry of Christ going on, here's, here are the soils. Interesting, Bill pointed out the timing. I mean, in front of this other massive, big, scary, life-filled, death-filled chapter that's coming up. In terms of fruit, I, I, I've seen it, things we've talked about today, so it's like see conversation of last 40 minutes, <laughs> uh, accelerating solutions, uh, accelerating relationships, uh, reconciliations, results, people working together because there is awareness, right? And if you're in the right soil, you see each other, you do things. So I've seen the fruits of just observing and I'm blessed to be a part of those things where service acceleration of solutions can take place and we know it, we see it, we work together. So I've seen those fruits, I think, because people are paying attention to it. Uh, I've also seen the fruit is getting away from the scripture. I don't mean like scripture doesn't matter, but you know, these are words, 2,000 years old. I could memorize it, right, and forget it, and memorize it again and forget it, and quote it and forget it, and be excited about it and not be excited tomorrow. But the whole fruit is that we move out of it. We move out of the word. We move out of the text. We move out of dogma. We move out of quotes and canned sermons and and to see each other and to serve each other if we meditate on these. So I think that's one of the fruits of this as well. And uh, I'm going to cite uh, a discussion I had the privilege of witnessing and being a part of in a small part that the the, the person I'm going to talk about is not talking about the gospel, but I think it's a really good example because I was talking about you had a calling maybe in the first soil. I want to be, I want to serve people. I want to be a physician. I want to, I want to create great works of art. I want to do those things. And then it's forgotten or lost. Lightning strikes, that doesn't do it, moves on. And, uh, and I want to use, and I'm, what I'm getting to is love, because I think that's the real fruits of this. This is about love. It's unsaid, but it's about love. So we can accelerate our successes together. And I was listening, it wasn't that long ago, to a discussion um, in, a, in a summit with Dr. Angela Duckworth, who wrote the book Grit, which is about how you persevere. And that one thing you can learn in life, she would say, grit, doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, you know, you're in decline at a pretty early point in your life, but you can always learn grit because you're pursuing excellence. You found that thing. And she began to get questions in the room about the how-to, like, you know, the writ part. Like, give me the rule book. How does that work? And, and I'm just paraphrasing, all right? I'm just using that. And she said something like, no, no. First, you have to fall in love. First. Then it's all there. Then you pursue it. Then you have the grit. Then the grit kicks in to move forward. First, you have to fall in love. And I think behind this and the fruits you're talking about is how do we get off these soils? How do we meditate on the arc of our life and those things? And I think we're all of it because we're falling in love. 
We fall in love. We fall in love with Jesus. We fall in love with the ministry. We fall in love with the service we can do for each other. We fall in love with falling in love. You know, and it's not lightning strike. It's learning stronger over time uh, as we meditate on the soil. That's what I've got, uh, Sarah. Thanks. Good stuff. Any final word? I will quickly add this. Sarah, you, your comment about many people we encounter are dealing with chaos, uh, and I made reference earlier in my comments to how we Christians fight with each other. I heard a powerful statement recently in a discussion with some pastors, and one of the women pastors was talking about how she's dealing in their church with, and she summarized it this way, there is no hurt like a church hurt. Mm. When we judge others for being rocky soil rather than recognizing we are also rocky soil, there is no hurt like a church hurt. We have a real calling as the followers of Christ to embody that good news among ourselves as well as, quote, out there. I think loving kindness is the hardest part. I don't know about you, but I can be more loving and more kind, always. Amen, sister. That's all I got, Don. Back to you. <laughs> all right. Well, and uh, our time is up. For those listening in, Palmasia Presbyterian Church makes this podcast possible. They're at 3501 West San Jose. That's in Tampa, Florida. And for more information, you can go to palmasia.org. That's B-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org. We commend that site to you for sermons, discussions of the lectionary, disagreements about the lectionary, prayers, reflections, opportunities to take communion, outstanding music. Uh, And I will again say we thank you for your comments uh, through the weeks. They are intensifying. Um, Affirmations and criticisms alike, all very powerful for us. I can only speak for my colleagues in that. And in the weeks to come, we look forward to uh, rotating some uh, additional pastors through this who are also looking at lectionary as the the weeks go on. But for now, you're always welcome, and we'll see you next time.